Hello, I'm Fenya. I'm Susanna. And I'm Nick, and we probably shouldn't be friends. That's because we're from different places and we come at issues from different angles. Me, I'm a gay, mixed-race, working-class bloke. Boxes ticked. And I'm a traditional Catholic woman living as an immigrant in a liberal country. And I'm a climate protester turned riot police. But what we all have in common is we're looking to figure out what the hell is going on in the world and how we navigate it. And we'll talk about everything from politics to dating, from mental health to nutrition. We'll look at history and current affairs for inspiration and we'll share stories from our own lives. All topics and viewpoints will be welcome. So if you're easily offended, switch off now. Hello and welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about Drag Queen Story Hour, which is harmless, right? Well, that's to be seen. I'm I'm sure we'll find out over the course of this episode. Well, I would think so normally because I think what's wrong with a theatrical dressed up like almost like pantomime artist type figure reading to children what's what what would be the problem with that i think we have to look at the history of what drag actually is and where does drag queen story hour come from how do they present themselves and what do they say to children why are we talking about this today a famous drag queen and author ada hd has been traveling around the uk reading to children as part of this drag queen story hour as an lgbt history month um sort of initiative and last weekend She went to read to the children and hordes of people turned out in protest and they did get a little bit tasty. Why are there these clashes, I think, is what what we're trying to find out today. Well, that's it, because those groups I've seen on Twitter, they were uh, groups I didn't really know about before. There was a socialist worker there that was on the side of the drag queens Then there was Patriotic Alternative and... I looked on their Twitter and they had a nice photo of White Lives Matter banner and how they want to take back a white Britain. So there's why are these groups why would well. the, why are these groups getting involved in Drag Queen Story Hour? And I think there's a lot also a wide range wider range. These are the, the kind of loud voices, but there is a wider range on both sides. You have normal people coming up that are not normally politically active coming to protest. So we have to look at why are people so passionate about this. Well so effectively we need to decide what are both sides saying because to me I'm thinking, like, it's a bit of theatre, a bit of art. I never really had an issue with it. I like No. So then I said to myself, so I also found myself saying, okay, well, what are they reading to the kids? Because I assume child books. Yeah. But it turns out it's not so much the case. Now, Ada, Ada HD, um, she has a company, um, or he has a company, because uh, Ada HD is also known as Sab Samuel, has a company called Drag Story Hour UK, which is the publisher of Ada HD's very own books. Now, these... There's three books out. One focuses on polyamory, one focuses on um, race, and one focuses on snot and bodily liquids. But I couldn't get inside the book to actually know what it was talking about. Oh, so yeah, it's not a problem. When <laughs> I when I did a little bit of looking up on the history of Drag Story Hour, it comes from San Francisco, a woman called Michelle T, which is a lesbian sex worker author. Um, and it states on the company's website that created Drag Story Hour that they are there to encourage um, introspection when it comes to gender and sexual fl- fluidity in children as young as three. So that shows us that there is, it's not just innocent, we're reading a story and we're playing a bit of theatre here. We are trying to, whether you agree with it's right or whether you agree it's wrong, there is an intention here to spread a political message to these young children. I think the concept itself is morally wrong 
Because if you look at what drag historically was, I'm not talking about men dressing up like women for comedy or satire. I'm talking about modern day drag. It was burlesque, provocative, striptease and sexual dancing for gay men. That's what drag originally is. It's not about... But British drag has always been more of a comic thing rather than a yeah, sexy Yeah, but that's thing. not what the, what the modern drag movement is. If you look at the modern... If you go to a modern drag show, I don't know actually any drag queens, but if you go to a modern <laughs> drag show, they're all, always overly sexually... Yeah, I mean, if you look at RuPaul's... They're very provocatively RuPaul's dressed down, they? UK, you see, down. If you watch RuPaul's Drag Race UK, you see the difference in the generations. So the older generations, they looked very similar to a pantomime act. There was... There was Extreme the makeup, fully big covered, costumes. extreme, and it was always there was never really much hiding from the fact that they were a man. Yeah. If you look at modern stuff, so the people that have been winning and up top on um, Drag Race UK now, there are a couple like Lawrence Cheney that are still very much on the comic side, but then you've got others that really think that they're on the feminine, high fashion, sexy side, like the Bimini Bamboo Lashes and the Tastes of the World. I don't you know probably who don't know are. who they are. No, but why don't I'm you do saying, your research, Susanna? What I'm saying is, I don't want to watch <laughs> that, but <laughs> what I'm saying is we can't equate drag queens and the ones that do the story hour with the idea of historically men dressing up like women for a bit of comedy and having a poke at society mm. because that's not what it is. It is politically motivated. It is to blur the lines between sex and gender. They want to put these questions in the young people's minds. They want to be seen as as both male and female, going on interviews and doing things they are referred to as she. It's their persona. They're personifying this exaggerated caricature of a woman. Even if it was comedy and satire, most of the time we agree that that kind of comedy is not suitable for kids. kids. So if we look at... uh, I'm just trying to get to the... Before we get to the content they actually Mm -hmm. deliver to kids, to the whole concept. No, but I'm saying, actually, to refute what what you're saying, one of the questions is Michelle T, who started this, in one of her books, it's about the fact that there's two children in a room playing. They're playing uh, with the clothes of the other gender and then they're talking about how how amazing it would be if they could continue that role play outside of the house and that's what drag is and that's what they're saying to these children, that it's just extended play. And why would that yeah, why but, would that be a bad thing? But is it just as extended play if you look at society when you go to a doctor's and you say, I like wearing women's clothes, what is the first thing they say to your child? Oh, your child is trans. It's not you're simplifying a thing that is linked, interlinked. But I'm I'm just saying this is not suitable content for children. Even if they were reading uh, The Wheels on a Bus Goes Round and Round to the kids, dressed in absolutely ridiculous costumes that it are is, overly yeah. sexualized, it's just not suitable for kids. Why do you why can't you just go in and read to the kids? You don't need to be dressed in a low cut, very tight dress and do an exaggerated performance of what you think femininity is. If you look at children's entertainment and clowns, they're not dressed in uh, hot pants and low-cut tops. They're dressed in a way, an innocent way. I'm not. I'm not really particularly a fan of clowns, mm. but um, <laughs> but I'm just saying that you can't equate drag queens to children's entertainment because it's completely different. If you look at the history, if you look at the cultural aspect of uh. it, and if you look at what they wear and what they do and what they do outside of, if you look at childhood entertainers which we've had some issues in the past. But um, children's performers usually are expected to behave appropriately, appropriately, even outside of their character, especially if, sorry, even outside of that performance, 
if they're performing as that character because the children will then go into social media, follow that character. Oh, I really liked my story time with Ada HD. Look at her profile on Instagram. Well, I did you have know. a look at Ada HD's well, let's profile see what you found. on Instagram and I came across a couple of disturbing things. There was a photo of Ada next to a bear buttocks um, smiling um, with Ada was here written on the bum. Mm. Um, this is the professional page as well. So if you're if your whole raison d'être yeah, is to read to children, mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, ADHD is not an act in any other uh, way. It's just through re- drugs for story hour. And that's the professional page. Why would you put that on? There's also a meme on her Facebook page where she writes, um, love has no age which is a little bit concerning. Yeah. Um, there's also a meme here where it says, when you're at an orgy and another bottom tries to steal the top that's about to destroy your whole laughing faces. And this is her, con- like her, this is her professional account. Or his official and she page. has also used um, this account to raise money for the funeral of one of her best friends who was a convicted child molester. And He's now, and now our lovely Ada HD has joined the... Um, Autistic Inclusive Meats Association. Interesting. So it's an interesting sort of. So, Fenya, if you had a child, would you take them for Drag Queen Story Hour? Personally, no. Why is that? Well, so I never really had the issue with the whole um, drag queen situation. Like, I've never had a problem with drag queens as far as I'm concerned. They're just men, usually gay men, that like to dress up in women's clothing and have a bit of a performance and they've tended to keep it to their bars where people go and they choose to see them and they pay to see them and they enjoy that and it's all well and good. I went to one of these protests when I was a police officer and I didn't know anything about Drag Queen Story Hour then. I just was told that a bunch of people had turned up and started heckling and throwing stuff and assaulting these drag queens that had turned up to read to kids and I thought that's pretty shocking. Mm. And I turned up and you see these like typically skinhead white middle-aged men who have brought their kids out with them holding up these like fairly horrid signs saying death to trans people and stuff like that Mm. and I just thought how can how can you hate someone so much for just dressing up as a woman and reading to kids we don't know who all the protesters are so we're not endorsing endorsing that no need to start you can't claim that you care about kids if you're taking your Your own kids there it's so yeah so I kind of ended up after that being on the side off the drag queens because you just saw the horrible hate that turned up from outside Mm. and having to like shove these people back as they shouted in your faces that you were protecting pedophiles but then after doing some research into it (laughs) that, that is the yeah you you do sort of start to wonder, like, you're introducing these kids to some very sexualised topics at a very, very young age. You said, what, two or three, was it? Three. They're normally, they're between the ages of three and ten. But what I wonder is, what is, appro- what is appropriate and entertaining to a three-year-old? It's a very big gap to 11 years old. What How can you entertain three-year-old, three-year-old and 11-year-old at the same time? That's too wide a gap. I did see a couple, because I did a bit of research of what's going on in London at the moment, and there are a lot of these events are aimed at children five and under. Like, most mm. of them are targeted mm. at well, When toddlers. Ada HD spoke to The Guardian, um, he said um, that one of the best parts of it is that, you know, he gets to help children accept themselves and who they are, and he's had people grow up and come to him and say, you know, they came out and he saved their life. But it can't be true. Now, the man that he used to work with under a previous company, uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, he used to work for him. His name's Tom. 
and he's a bit disgruntled and on Twitter he mm-hmm. was saying this isn't true because most people we perform to were under five so and we, yeah. we've only been doing it since 2019 so it's three years unless they're eight and they're, and they're finding coming him online him. and coming out to him and saying that he saved their lives and he also ADHD said that these people are now in happy relationships what eight, eight, yeah. yeah what eight year olds so are in a happy relationship I think we shouldn't the problem is you've got extreme. The, the mm. main people that are against this are extremists, so people get turned off by that. But there are legitimate questions here. You can't just blindly trust someone because, at the end of the day, for me, anyone who wants access to children, I'm naturally suspicious of, yeah. because why, why, why do you want to read to children? You're a drag act. You've never had anything to do with children. When you don't have kids and you've never had anything to do with kids. And you're in an industry that's so far away from kids. Why do you yeah. then want to go into it? It is a bit weird. Drag queen is an adult entertainer. Yeah. Why Why do you want to bring that to children? Why do you want to normalise it? That's a really good question. I think that brings us pretty pretty well to where did Drag Queen Story Hour actually start? Where are the origins of this idea? So it comes from um, an author uh, from Fra- San Francisco called Michelle T. Um, she has openly documented um, her difficult journeys through her own struggles with uh, being a victim of paedophilia. Um, her stepdad used to drill holes in the wall um, and spy on her and her sister as they as they got changed growing up. She oh. then fell into issues of addiction, so she was an alcoholic. Um, I think there were some drugs involved. And then she became a sex worker, um, and so was her girlfriend. But then anyway, after that, she became a prolific author, a very uh, feminist, um, and is quite well accomplished. And amongst her many projects came up with the Drag Queen Story Hour in San Francisco. It says on the website, uh, because I've looked this up, and the company uh, that she did it in uh, tandem with, radar that they very much want to use this as a vehicle to encourage children to inquire as to their gender and sexual fluidity Mm. it is aimed at children from ages three to eleven parents are there but what's happened now for some reason they've handed drag queen story hour over Mm. to the san francisco public library and it's become spread all over the u.s and now it's a global phenomenon yeah um and the company was ran by this tom on twitter that ADHD work for but now the UK version is run by ADHD. ADHD himself yeah so my question from that why do three-year-olds need to be exposed to sexual fluidity so I I think if I'm going to be charitable I would say as someone who is gay you grow up with a trauma of knowing that you're or feeling as though you're alone that you're you should be ashamed that there's something wrong with you and I think that can be very painful and it's a very lonely way to grow up because, you know, a lot of people hide who they are They might because they might be bullied for it or they might think that people don't accept it. And then they go out into the gay community and normally it's a bit of a difficult ride for a young gay guy because, well, the older gays are like vultures. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I think that there a lot of young of gay people get stuck in in childhood i think sometimes when mm. you have this trauma you freeze and i think they think oh you know what if someone had been there for me if there'd been someone i could look up to to ignore all of this hate and all of this shame i would have had a better life and i wouldn't have these issues that i now have and so i think they think let's get to the kids young and let's tell them that you know it's okay to be gay it's okay to be trans it's okay to be polyamorous or whatever to save them that hate and to know that there's someone there for them i i think that there is an argument to that because i know what it's like not having that around being rejected by society as a whole so i understand 
if I'm trying to be charitable, yeah, mm. where, where that comes from. But three is very young. Like, do you not think puberty is a better age when people actually start having these sexual feelings themselves? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just yeah. but exposing there's an argument them to sexuality. On, there's argument in the field of um, gender and sexual uh, research that uh, there's an idea that from a very young age, before the age of five, that your gender and sexual identity is locked in. So their argument would be that we need to get their young while they're going through this so, so that they don't have these wounds locked in. But I'm um, not saying that's true. I'm just saying there's an argument in those fields, not settled science, not settled no. science. I repeat, not Definitely. settled science. But there's an argument that these people follow. So if you follow gender identity, you'll follow the teachings of certain researchers who argue that sexual and gender identity is locked in at a young age. So get in there quick to help facilitate it so to avoid harm, to avoid trauma. I think that's where it comes from. I think from the side that wants to protect the kids from the drag queens to avoid harm, to avoid trauma, I think the drag queens and uh, the lobby want to protect the kids from shame and trauma as well. I, I so they've all got the same sort of end game. They've just gone about it yeah, in very, yeah. very different ways. But I think the thing is, is that gay and trans children are going to be a very, very, very small minority. And we need to think about what we're encouraging encouraging children to experiment with sometimes a bit too much introspection is not a good thing when you're three years old you don't have the concept of sexuality you, you just don't it's just not developed and if you do it's because you've been exposed to it by mm. an adult or by someone in your life it's just mm. not appropriate you're never going to protect someone wholly from trauma and nor should you because that actually helps a person to grow and develop we should be teaching people how to deal with their wounds and how to work with them and how to make themselves better people i think we just need to reiterate that so a lot of people who might not care about this like me would say you know who cares they're dressed up they're reading normal children's books i think we need to say with the conversation we've kind of moved on now because yeah. we've we've um discovered that actually what what's being read to the children is an agenda so now our debate is whether this agenda is right for children's ears and whether it's even desirable so that's where yeah. we're at and that's what Susanna you're arguing isn't it it's not it's not suitable for children right. I don't think it's right that children should be exposed to ideas of gender fluidity when you are exposed to those ideas and you are, they're normalized in your environment you can then start to internalize them and believe that you are such what are you what you're being told that doesn't mean that that child, if you let them grow up, would have trauma. It's not about acceptance. It's not about if, if, I, if everybody accepts you, you're going to feel okay. You're still going to struggle with it because it's not natural to feel like you're a woman when you're a man. So w when you have those feelings and ideas, you're Marking naturally going to struggle. State. Obviously, you've said about how, you know, trauma is a fact of life. Then what would you say to those people who say, well, look, this is what I believe is right for my child. If I end up traumatising them, then that's the same as other way. If they, you know, you're trying to protect them in a way from the trauma of being exposed to something you think they shouldn't be exposed to, the other people that are taking their kids to these are trying to um, save their child from the trauma of potentially hating themselves if they are gay. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are trying to protect saying. them from something you think is harmful. If you just let a child grow up without bring them to places of harm they might encounter harm naturally but you're not putting that harm in their way whereas with drag queen story hour you are putting that harm in their way you're going out of your way to take them to a place that is not good for children if they encounter someone who's a bully which most of us have your parent is not going out of your way of, of their way to bring that bully to you and make them bully you if you're taking your child to a place where they're going to be abused 
I do have an issue with that. So, Fenya, where would you sit on the idea that obviously the parents are there, the parents are choosing to take them that, that, uh, to the place, they're watching it the whole time, they mm. hear the words um, that the drag queens are saying, that they're reading out of these books, they seem to want them there. What, what do you think about that? If the parents want them there, then what's the issue? Well, I mean, I'm not one who's going to turn up and protest the matter and physically try to stop them from getting in to do this to their kids. If they want to do that to their kids, it's their prerogative. We can't be telling people how to raise their children. I just personally think it's a bit weird and a bit wrong that you want to encourage talks about sex and sexuality with your child from the age of three. Because I just think surely that's exposing them to something so young and normalising something so young that if... I mean, I don't know if there's been any research into this, but then if they end up in sexualized situations themselves mm-hmm. and they've been exposed to it so young, surely they just think this is normal. Mm-hmm. I just find it weird, basically, because yeah. I wouldn't want to bring my kid to that. I would want to keep my child as innocent and pure as I could for as long as I could. And when they were mm-hmm. going through puberty and starting to have these feelings, then fair enough, like, mm-hmm. if I want to take them to see a drag queen, like... That's my prerogative, but I think it's just the sheer age of these children. You know, we we are in a society that is becoming that is taking away childhood from children. Yeah, because we're g- giving them these very complex ideas that even adults struggle to understand, and we're giving it to them at an age where they have no, absolutely no chance to comprehend it. If you tell a child that they're a dog and you raise them as a dog, that's what they're gonna think is normal. We're very environmental as humans and whatever environment you put your child like they say the child's brain is a sponge it is a sponge and if you put them in an environment there is a reason why all these kids that are raised by these woke blue head as the stereotype goes people mm-hmm. are more likely to be trans and and gender fluid because mm-hmm. they're surrounded by that there is definitely a correlation there i just want to say also to your point about i wouldn't bring my kids there but we can't stop other people but i do think that children have a right to be protected from harm and if, as a society, we're willing to protect children from being beaten up and from being exposed to paedophiles, well, why shouldn't we protect them from being exposed to drag queens? Which Nick's research shows these drag queens that do read to children are a little bit connected to... Not most. We <laughs> can't say most. That could be defamatory. Right. But Some, there are, yeah. what, what there the are point ways. of what I was saying is, is that we need to be more discer- um, discerning when we come... You know, we need to be more questioning. Parents need of to do the their research of the motives of go. people. I found this all out on Facebook and Twitter within yeah. an hour. Like, you need to you need to be a bit more inquisitive as to like who's in front of your child. And what yeah. one group, the the Safe Schools Alliance, they're quite interesting because they wrote to the Ministry, I think, of Education, um, and they did a list of things that they felt was inappropriate. Um, and went against council's own codes and the Tate's own code of safeguarding for children because of this. Obviously, now, if, if you're a clown, Susanna, and you go around um, playing for clown. children <laughs> at, at shows, you know that if you had a Facebook page as oh, Susanna yeah. the Clown, that's your reputation, that's your outward-facing... Facebook page. And children are going to come across that most Even if I'm a bin pens, man yeah. and I, you know, we... Biff are asked us to do a social media account as the bin men. Mm. I'm now not going to talk professional. lurid yeah. sexual thing. It got to say professional. And there was a teach. There have been teachers that have been sacked for having OnlyFans, for 
being a bit raunchy on Twitter. So they've said, why is there a double standard for mm. these drag queens that openly talk about, you know, very graphic sexual uh, doings um, online? Like, what do you think about that? I think you know the answer to that. I think that that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. There is this double standard because the drag queens are seen as the protected group, as the victims. Um, you know, why is there this uh, double standard? Why do other performers and teachers have to be held to a different standard? Yeah. And as soon as you say you're a drag queen, you can do things that no one else can afford to do in a society. Get a bit of a jail, get out of jail free card, don't you? If I were to hang out with a child in an overtly fetishized, sexualized costume, if I were to go and hang out with my boyfriend's son wearing fishnet stockings and a bra and tiny hot pants, I would be absolutely shamed by everybody. Talking about his sexuality. Yeah, talking about his sexuality. Everybody would say that's so inappropriate, you can't do that. I wouldn't be able to see that child again. Yeah. And (laughs) as well, if there were any kind of court hearings, if you knew that like the, the mother of the child or anything was doing those sorts of things... That would work against them in a court of law because it would be deemed as harmful to the child. But like you said, if you are a drag queen and you're dressing up in fetishised outfits, which are meant for the sort of sex industry, wearing the pleather, wearing the fishnet tights, why does that all of a sudden become okay? Okay. And even glorified, even... even Encouraged, supported, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you if you were a primary school teacher, you'd go through so much. They they look at what you've done in the past. They look at your records, your criminal records. You've got DBS checks. I'm not sure if um, this particular person has it's had any of checked. those checks. I don't know, but um, but there there would definitely be questions raised. P- parents would be informed. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. If it was anything else, why is it not done when it's a when it's a drag queen? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's so important for people to do research about who they're exposing their children to really isn't it and i think i mean if you looked on twitter you'd see um this photo of ada hd in wearing very tight outfit um you can wearing a tight colorful yeah. outfit with an exaggerated wig and a low His erect penis yeah quite clearly visible in the photo yeah and so it doesn't take much research it takes a quick google into this person to see at oh, a drag story hour perhaps at a drag story hour with an erect penis there we go i mean if that 21st september 2022 i think this brings us kind of to a broader issue where we as a society have given up on the effort to actually parent well we find we find it difficult which it is difficult and we find it too much effort to actually parent well do our research and try to do what's best for our kids we we've kind of lost these universal values that we used to have i wanted to come on here and defend ada and drag story hour i really was sitting there thinking about it last night and i was like watching all of these drag queens defend themselves on tiktok and you know they were saying you know we're just reading to the kids we just you know the kids love us and you know we're being brave against these protesters i mean some places in america literally have left-wing militias outside the libraries so that the drag queens um, are protected from protesters here in london we've got antifa coming yeah, to, you also have a lot of them are guarded by the police yep. up and down the country. And, you know, I I really thought that these are just bigots uh, masquerading as people who are concerned about children, because I really did think there is a need to get in there young and say, you know, look, if you're different, it's OK. And I still believe that. But that doesn't mean that you need to know. I mean, one of his one of ADHD's books is called My First Pride. And it's about a young child who goes out to his first pride and falls in love. 
I don't know if a three-year-old needs to know what pride is. I don't know if they need to know about falling in love. Falling in love, yeah. And I don't know what else is inside that book. I, w- I personally wouldn't wouldn't agree with you that we need to tell children about sexuality and, and about being gay and trans and whatever. I just don't think... I think it's appropriate. What about if your child and has um, a friend who has two mums, two dads? Like, they're... That you can't yeah, it's a conversation that you have with your child at the time when you're confronted with it. You know, when they come across it and have questions, I will answer the questions. Mm. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is, you can do that without being a drag queen. You should disagree with the no, drag I queen agree. story. What else. I believe is that when you have normal sex education around puberty time, that then there's a conversation of exactly. you might be feeling like you like something else, and that's okay. Or come and there's these people you can talk to about that. Like that would be, I think that would be More helpful because when you're having all of these questions, you're feeling different. The kids around you are starting to notice you're a bit different. You do want a bit of support. Something over 50% of, of gay and bisexual kids are still bullied, even though we live in a very permissive culture. So but regardless if you, if you think it's right or wrong, they're children and they need to have somewhere to turn and they need to have support and they need someone to be on their side. You don't need to go that young because yeah. you don't see the separation based on sexuality until you get around puberty age. So when those changes start to happen, there start to be maybe a bit of rejection going on in those peer groups. It makes more sense to have someone to go and talk to about that because you're realising these differences. Yeah. But before they really appear anthropologically, there's no. I, I don't see no the need. need for it. I don't see the need. And I think it's just yeah, exposing the kids to sexualized mm. topics before they need to. Yeah. Like let them talk about it when it becomes an issue. Mm. I think that's really important because you you don't plan for every possible bad thing that could go wrong in your life, do you? Mm. So why would you plan for the potential that your child could be gay mm. at the age of three, and what to do then? Because then I just sort of feel like maybe you're imposing that your child should be gay. And then it could, if you're raised in an environment like that, it might be that they start feeling guilty for being straight if they're raised by two gay parents. Yeah. And they're sort of forced into this community. If they actually are heterosexual, then it could have an adverse effect. One thing that I think this comes down to as well, if you claim you're an oppressed group, yet the majority of society is on your side, the police are outside Mm. protecting you, your crowds are bigger than the crowd against you, it might be that the fight is won, the job is done. And you don't need to keep fighting. you don't need to keep fighting. And I think that it's (laughs) trauma-informed. But it's trauma-informed. I think a lot of them live in the past. And I think they're fighting enemies that aren't there anymore. Yeah. Enemies from their childhood, from their bad experiences. If chil- if parents are openly taking their children, impressionable children, to learn from you about your characteristics mm. and society as a whole approves of it, yeah. then, you know, maybe you need to try and get into the present yeah. and realise that, yeah, move as I on. say... I, try and, as- try and try move, and on. move on from your traumas I, I, that you experienced. I think that it's time to let it go. I yeah. think the fight's over. We all need to kind of wake up and realise that if society is so receptive to every gripe you have, then it must mean that you're not really oppressed anymore. And I understand that it was that way. And I understand that even for people who disagree with homosexuality, that they would still believe that people deserve to be treated with respect and that they have an open place in society. I think there is that now, almost too too large a place that we take in society. And I, I... 
I just wonder if it's 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 done now, and the people that are still fighting it are people that have something financially or psychologically to gain from from it. You're not, and you're never going to be able to change everyone's minds. There will always be people out there who disagree with you. Mm. When you're at a point where the majority of the country that you live in support and value your place in society, surely that that is it. Your fight is won. I feel like when the Equality Act came in, that was kind of... I mean, I've got my issues with the Equality <laughs> Act, so that can be another episode. Yeah, but there, there were legal obligations on every public body and some private bodies to further the interests of people with protected characteristics such as LGBT people. That's it. Not just the fight was won. You've been elevated to almost a privileged yes. level in society. And that's probably where we'll end this episode because yeah. that's something we can pick up another time. We'd like to know what you think, so if you have anything that you'd like to say about this, comment below wherever you listen to this and let us know. Wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) And give us a five-star rating. Or whatever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.